You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. So kind of continuing on, uh, I started a little bit of a, a mini-series last time that I spoke, uh, where we look at uh, wh- why we do what we do as a church. You know, we, we kind of come on a Sunday, we sing our songs, we take up the offering, we have the handshake time, and then we hear the word, and then have another song, and then go home. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can just kind of get into the motion and the mechanics of it all, and, and not really actually understand why it is what we do, why we do what we do. And uh, so I'm going to have, last time I had a look at why we sing, why we uh, do praise and worship, why that's a part of our service, and I uh, had a bit of a look at um, you know, just, just a few of the words that God uses to describe praise and worship. So uh, continuing along that vein and also in the vein of our upcoming vision offering, I want to have a look at another aspect of our service and have a look at why it is we give. Uh, you know, Pastor Adam shared about uh, how God is Jehovah Jireh, and I want to kind of unpack uh, just a little bit as to why we give. And, and so uh, I'm going to say something really controversial at the start, the title of my message is Why I Hate Tithing. Um, so if you've been around church for a while, you might, you might find this appalling, shocking, whatever. But I, I, I want to have a look at why it is that we give and, and, and kind of hone in on, on tithing and just have a bit of a look. We'll, we'll delve into the scriptures. We're going to have a lot of scripture tonight. So just have a bit of a look as to why I hate tithing. And one of the key reasons, first off the bat, is because I don't think that it was tithing that got the early church started. I don't think it was tithing that uh, propelled them into the influence and the ability to build the church in such a fast fashion. I don't think it was tithing that did that. In fact, Scripture actually records that the, 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 when the early church uh, blossomed, it was because the disciples or the apostles would literally sell their properties. They'd sell their goods, they'd sell their chattels, and then they'd bring it to uh, the church, and then, and then they would then use that for the propagation of the gospel. And uh, so that's one of the reasons, like, okay, I don't hate tithing, but I, I think that, that God has a bigger plan for th- than just tithing. So I want to have a look at that tonight. You know, if you've been around church for a while, you've heard tithing, 10%. Uh, you know, tithe literally means a tenth. It's kind of one of those words that you can't sexy up, like you can't kind of retranslate it. It literally just means a tenth. It's like saying, oh, I had a six-pack of Coke, but I only drank four of them. You can't, like, you can't change it. It's a, it, it just means a tenth. So some people say, you know, I tithe 8%. Well, you don't, that, that's not a tithe. And it's like saying, I had four Cokes, a six-pack. It's like, no, that, that, that's not a six-pack. Um, but that, that's literally what it means, a tenth. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those. But I want to have a look at, um, and, and so if you're looking for an excuse not to tithe, pay attention. Uh, you, need to, you need to listen up for the next uh, 25 minutes or so. Because, uh, you, you know, I will give you an excuse not to tithe. So um, if you're taking notes, you can don't have a coronary, Pastor John. Uh, 
But uh, I want to have a look at a, a scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 11. It's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this. He says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, that our seed, our finance, is, is, it can be used powerfully and mightily for the gospel. Lord, we just pray that, that you would just open our eyes to see your plan for our finances, that we, we would see your, uh, your abundant life, we would see your abundance when it comes to giving in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Um, bit of a weird story, uh, we would... We've, I've just recently returned from holidays, and uh, we were down on holidays with Caitlin and Hilsey, and uh, we went to the uh, the gravesite of her great grandmother, and uh, did a bit of research on on her great grandmother. And so I really kind of got into uh, the ancestry thing. Like it, 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 it's like a drug for me. Um, I got back on Tuesday and logged on to ancestry.com. And, you know, was finding my links to my relatives and then finding links to them. And it was, by, like, I looked at the time, it was 2 a.m. in the morning because I was just, it was so addictive. And I was like, no, I need to find, I need to get another relative. I need to find another relative. And, uh, you know, he kind of came to bed, uh, you know, eyes kind of hanging out of my head, but then the next day, kind of, I need to get another relative, and every time you kind of found the father or the mother of so-and-so, it would then open up some more possibilities, it's like, I just need to do this, but anyway, uh, long story short, found, found that I was the, I'm the first person on either side to attend university, uh, on the Turner side coming down. I'm the first one to attend university, to, to attend a tertiary, uh, a tertiary edu- education, and um, going to uni was an interesting thing for me uh, because all of my education up until that point, uh, I had to go. Like, I had to go to school. Law required it up until grade 10. And uh, at that point, didn't really have the people skills to get, an, get a traineeship in retail or something like that and certainly didn't have the physique to take on a trade. Uh, so I had to kind of stay for the next two years. And, uh, and so it kind of continued schooling for 11 and 12. But when I went to university, it was the first time that I got to choose that I, got to, that I went and got an education. It was the first time that I got to choose where my path was going to go. It was the first time I got to choose what subjects I was going to go to. And so university for me, well, certainly for the first six weeks, uh, was amazing. Like the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, uh, because I had the choice. And, uh, and, and this is kind of... My point is that it, it seems sometimes I think that tithing can become so much of a chore that we actually miss the point that we get to give. 
And uh, kind of, you know, it, you know we, we are certainly blessed with education, but when I walked into uni, it was the first time that I got to have an education, that I got to choose where I was going. And, and, and so it's the same with, with giving. I think to sometimes in the kind of the mechanics of it all, we can miss the opportunity that we get, we get to give to the kingdom of God. That this thing that we're a part of, the church, is moving forward and we can invest and be a part of it. See, one of the reasons, the first reason that I hate tithing is because it, give, it, it limits my, uh, my perspective is that I, I have to instead of I choose to. And, and so, you know, I, I, I could attend the classes that I wanted and sometimes tithing can feel like taxation. It just happens. You know, I've got to pay my tithes, pay my taxes and stuff like that. And, and we miss the point that we are partnering with God to build something amazing. That, that we are partnering with God to see the gospel furthered in the city of Ipswich, Collingwood Park. You know, that is an amazing thing. And whether you're giving 10%, 20%, 30%, that is an incredible thing that we're a part of. And, and, and you know, there, there are a few things that you can invest into that last a lifetime. And there are even fewer that can last an eternity. But the gospel and the kingdom of God will last forever. And, and you and I can be a part of that. You know, see, uh, the, this mentality actually existed back when Jesus was walking the earth. Uh, he's having a conversation with some religious leaders, having a conversation with some Pharisees. And in Luke eleven forty two, it says this. It says, What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. See, what, what's happening there is that they were so caught up on the number. You know, I've got to, I've got to make sure that the 10th, is going to the temple. I've got to make sure that the tenth is going to God. And God's saying, you're missing the point. The point is not the number. The point is the attitude in which you do it and the way in which you use your finance for the propagation of the gospel. And sometimes people ask me, do I tithe pre-tax, after-tax? Who cares? It's because we're partnering with God to build the kingdom. Uh, you know, you know if, if you decide to tithe pre-tax, good on you. If you decide to po- tithe post-tax or you decide to give post-tax, pre-tax, who cares? Bless you because you are actually partnering with God to build something that will last forever. And, uh, you know, it, it, Jesus' point is not the tithe is bad. The tithe is bad. It's saying you're missing the opportunity that you have to give into the greatest soil that ever was. And, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because, you know, we've set up our, our, our giving so that it just comes out automatically uh, on payday, it kind of disappears. And, and you know, it, it doesn't have the same mystique as, you know, getting the money out and kind of crumpling it up so that nobody else can see it and then putting it in the bucket uh, or the bags as it kind of used to be 15 years ago and you'd put it down the bottom of the bag so that nobody else would be able to see along the row what you're giving. It doesn't have that same kind of, Aura, because it's you know technically it's just numbers that are disappearing from the screen. But I think that there's importance in actually presencing what you're doing when you're doing that, because because it might just be numbers on a screen, but it can be salvations in the city of Ipswich. It can be like it can be nations transformed for missions. It's not just God doesn't see numbers on a screen; He sees seed. 
and, and, and you know, we need to actually look at, at the way that we give in terms of seed. Uh, you know, when when our son was born, uh, Paddy was kind of born, and, and you know, the first like the first couple of months, it was like Amy, Amy would say, "Oh, can you bath Paddy?" And I was like, "Yes, I get to bath him because it was new, it was excited." Now, not so much, but but it's, it can be the same with giving. You know, we've got this opportunity to give, we've got these funds to give to the kingdom. Now, yeah, not so much. But, but I think when, when we actually look at the why we're giving, it, it kind of opens up a whole new uh, perspective. It opens up a whole new opportunity to see why we're doing what we're doing. Reason number two is because tithing can get us into the mentality that the 10% is God and the 90% is ours. And, and I think that sometimes... We can, I can get into that trap. I, um, oh, this is, um, I've given you my 10%. No more. Stop asking. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if we get caught into that trap, it, we, we miss the opportunity to again invest into God's kingdom. Uh, Pastor John preached a message two weeks ago in the morning, and I really do encourage you to get uh, the, the podcast. It, and, and the crux of the message was essentially that God gives us the ability to produce wealth. The, 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 it's not the 10% that's God's, it's all His. And, and, and you know, we just take, we take a portion and then honor Him with that, but, but it's all His. Uh, you know, He gives us the opportunity, He gives us the power to build wealth. And, and, and so the, the truth is it's not just the 10% that's God. You know, and, and when, when we kind of get into that mentality, we guard the 90%. Like we hoard it, like, hey, this is my 90%, back off. Uh, you know, don't ask me to give any more. I've given my 10%, I've done my duty, I've done my thing. But if, if that's, we're missing the point again. You know, see, there's been times in my life, and I'll be, my fir- be the first to admit that I'm guilty of this, is that I've been sitting, it might be a setting, and uh, like, like a conference or, or, or a camp or something, and, and somebody's done an offering message, and, and I've kind of felt, felt to give, but then the kind of the human side of me goes, hang on a minute, don't you know that you've already given God your 10%? He's got his, uh, now this is yours. And, and I'm going to be honest, that was sometimes the mentality in my heart. And, and, and I think that can be one of the issues with tithing is that we become so um, uh, mechanical and structured in this in that we actually miss the opportunity to give above. I was reading this book and it said, if you want to start giving, start at 11% because you break the spirit of tithing. Uh, and so, you know, you might be sitting here and you're struggling with tithing. You're saying, I oh, don't believe in tithing. Great. Start at 11%. Break the spirit of tithing. And uh, I've heard people say that I'm not under the tithe. Well, I, I agree. Let's be over the tithe. Uh, so just a thought. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, you know, uh, and, and so the, when, when, the call gets, when the call gets kind of put out, I think that we can kind of guard that 90%. Uh, back to my uni days, one of the bane of my existence was group assessments. Anybody at uni done group assessments? The worst. The worst. Especially if you're in a group and you know you've got the lazy person in it that, that isn't going to do anything. Um, I hope that I was never that. I apologize to my uni friends if you're out there in the ether. But... Um, but it's because, and, and I remember this one uni assignment, I was doing French, and, uh, 
And so I did six months of French. Don't ask, don't speak to me, Danielle. I can't understand it. I did six months and that was it. Um, je m'appelle. That's about all that I got. Um, but anyway, and, and this one person was just hopeless, uh, absolutely hopeless. And I was in a group with them and I was like, oh my gosh. And so they'd, um, they'd, they'd only done, like they, they were notorious for only doing the bare minimum. So I think we had to do, like, we had to say four lines of French, and so they kind of just did, they picked the shortest statements that they could do, and, and, and so we had to have this conversation in French, and I just remember being in this assessment, and it was the worst, because this person had only done the bare minimum, and sometimes our attitude to tithing is, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. When it comes to giving, I'm just going to do the bare minimum, I'm just going to scrape through, and I think that when that happens we actually don't unlock the, the generosity that God wants us to actually display and to receive. Because when we display generosity, we receive generosity, as we read in that passage. And so, you know, my, and that's why vision offering is such a, an awesome opportunity that we have to go and look beyond what our kind of regular giving is. It's because we take a, take a moment and draw a line in the sand and say, this is what I'm going to invest into the kingdom of God, that I believe that the city of Ipswich needs to be transformed. I believe that there needs to be spirit-filled churches in the city of Ipswich that are making a difference. It's where we actually move out of that, I'm going to my 90%. No, no, no. I'm going to invest into that which is going to last forever. And that's what we got. That's why vision offering is such an important component of what we do. We don't just do it for the sake of it. We don't just do it so that we can upgrade things and so they got, we got money coming in. There is actually a spiritual principle of generosity that's when it's released, it's returned, as Pastor Adam shared earlier. So that's the second number. The reason number three, tithing is Old Testament. I agree. Tithing was given to the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. It was part of kind of a multifaceted temple taxation system uh, that, that was kind of put in place to maintain and to further the Hebrew faith. So when Jesus came, he, brought, he, he did do away with the Old Testament. But here's one thing that never happened in the New Testament. Nobody ever said, hey, give less. Give less. It's all good. The, the, old test, the old covenant is gone. The new, the new covenant says it's all good. Give less. There are literally hundreds of websites devoted to tearing down tithing because it's Old Testament. Look, I would agree it is Old Testament. But the tithe has been the historical vehicle in which God has used people to get on the, the, on the, in the stream of generosity. It, 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 it's not. It's not just. It, it's not just what we do. It's a great starting point. Tithing shouldn't be the floor. It should. It, so, tithing shouldn't be the ceiling. It should be the floor. It's a great opportunity to start. It's like riding a bike when you've got training wheels. Tithing can be the training wheels. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you've never actually taken that step and 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 started percentage giving. Well, start start with ten. Start with ten. But, you know, and, and then, you know, let's, let's see what God releases so that you can start to enhance your giving. So that you can start, see, like, one of the things that I, I started is when, when I was 10, I started getting $10 a week pocket money. It was great. Uh, and so he started with the whole tithing thing. Now, 
you know, and, and this isn't me bragging, but now I give much more than just tithing, much more than just 10%. And, uh, and, and you know, I could testify to the countless streams of generosity that God has directed my way. And, and, and it's because I, I understood the principle of setting aside an amount and the amount is not the issue. The, the amount is setting it aside. So like I said before, don't be, we're not under tithing. We're New Testament Christians. Let's be over tithing. Uh, you know, I think that, it, that that kind of argument is done. The argument of we're not under tithing is done. I think that we should be promoting over tithing. Like that's, that's why Jesus came on. I'm over, I'm over the old covenant. Let's bring in something new. Let's bring in something that's going to release greater streams of income. And, and you, you can't tell me, and this is kind of one of the things that I learned from my ancestors, uh, like going through my history, I realized that my ancestors were dirt poor, like the lowest of the low in kind of London. Uh, so I found out that one of my, like I think my fifth great grandfather was, uh, he was in a soup kitchen essentially for the last five years of his life because he couldn't afford anything else. And, uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that kind of fascinate me is if they could see me now, like if they could see the affluence that, that I have, the fact that, you know, I, I can drive a car, the fact that I own a property, that would have blown their minds back in the 1800s in kind of London, England. Uh, no offense, Sarah. Uh, but, you know, like it kind of... Uh, yeah, you weren't there, but possibly your ancestors may have been. Uh, but but you know, that, that would have blown their mind. And the tithe, was, the tithe was given to the Hebrew people, and even the poorest Hebrew would have to tithe. You can't tell me that, that when God's grace was, was poured out for us, that, that, there can, that, that we can actually, in all seriousness, think that, hey, we, we can do better than that. Like that, that was for the poorest Israelite. But here we are in, in, in Western culture, in one of the greatest countries in the world, one of the wealthiest countries on the planet. And, and, and you can't tell me. That. And so I, I don't think that we should tithe because that was given to a, a, a poor nation of nomadic people you know, however many thousand years ago. But here we are living in, in an affluent culture, uh, in, in an affluent country. I think that the tithe should just be the, the, uh, the tithe should be the floor, not the ceiling. So that's the three reasons that I hate tithing. I think that it kind of, it just becomes a mechanical practice and, and if we're not careful, we can actually just become legalistic about it and then we can just go through the motions and actually not see why we're doing what we're doing. I want to have a look at two reasons why we should give uh, and then we'll, then we'll close. Uh, so if, if we remember the passage that I read first, I'll read it again. It says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get we'll get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, remember that word, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over with, to share with others. Now I just want to hold there. And God will give you give generously and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over, not to further your own wealth, but to share with others. So it's the same promise that, Abra- that God gave to Abraham, that you'll be, a, a blessing, you'll be blessed to be a blessing, but it's actually 
to the new covenant church. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We'll read on. As scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Not a great harvest of wealth, but a great harvest of generosity. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. The first reason why I love giving is because it brings joy. See, giving is one of those, giving is one of those things that, that it actually brings joy, not just to the person receiving the gift. In a, book it said, in a book that I was reading, it said that giving is the joy that provides balm, not to the recipient, but to the giver. And it's the same, it's like a lotion to the giver, but also to the recipient as well, because it actually releases something and gives us the greatest joy. And that's why I think tithing, we miss it, because when we're just going through the motions, when we're doing the mechanics, we miss the joy that happens when we're actually giving to what God wants us to do. And so uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 3 says this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave only not what they, not only, they, gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Have you ever been excited to give somebody a gift? Like, I can't wait to give that person the gift so that you can see the look on their face when they, just, when they get that present or, or, or when they give that, that gift. I, I think that that's the same attitude that we need to have when we're giving to God. That, my gosh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the finance that I'm investing into the kingdom of God. That same kind of overflowing joy that, hey, I get to be generous to see people's lives changed and transformed forever. And uh, you know, why, why, does it, why does it bring us joy? Why does it bring us joy? It's because it releases us from the burden of things. When we give, it actually it stands in opposition to the burden of claiming things. And a physicist would tell you that the greater the mass, the greater the pull the mass exerts. And uh, you know, I, I believe that when you know, see, giving releases us from the pull of those things. You know, I'm, I don't have an issue with things, but I do have an issue of being pulled by things. And so when we give, it actually gives us an opportunity to say, hey, I'm not going to be pulled by things. I'm actually going to be giving and generous. And even though we might still have things, it doesn't have the pull or the power over us because I believe that it's God's will that we would be blessed, but that we would not be controlled by that blessing, that we would be, that we would be generous to be able to share and include others. That was the kind of the preface that, that Paul gave us in that scripture. You see, I believe that when people look at the church, they, they should see a group of the most generous people. That that should be what people see when they see the church, not a church of judgment or, or, or a church of, uh, you know, or they don't like that type of people, they don't like that group of people, but they should actually see a group of the most generous people. 
in Australia, in the world, that the, the church actually sets the benchmark for generosity. And, uh, and, and you know, what we're kind of on this, I think people misinterpret the church. The church is not the staff. The church is us, uh, you know, and for the record, we don't get a raise if we get a great vision offering. Uh, you know, the vision offering goes back into building the church. So, you know, it's not that we're doing this to feather our own nest. Uh, you know, we, we, we tithe long before we were on staff, but we, the church, is not just the people that you see on this platform. You are the church. I am the church. Life groups are the church. It, it, that is the church. And when people see the church, they should see a generous group of people. They should see a people that are not pulled by things, but are, are, are prepared to give out of sometimes not their own abundance, but sometimes out of their lack. Because giving can be a sacrifice. I think sometimes we forget that, that, oh, no, I don't want it to be a sacrifice. I think when we actually sacrifice, it creates space for God to do something amazing. It creates room for God to bless us. It creates room for God to be able to fill that void. And, uh, you know, I was, because I've been challenged in terms of giving over the years, and, and what, what, how do you make a generous person? Do, do, are people born generous? Because, you know, you hear, oh, that person, he was so generous. That person, they're so generous. They were just so generous with their money. What makes a generous person? Is, is it people with great wealth? I, I don't necessarily think that's correct. Is, is it people that have been given a lot of money? Maybe not. But I was watching Evan Almighty last night, and it's probably one of the greatest theological movies that ever existed. Um, you know, and, and there's this one scene, I'll give you the background of the the story. There's this one scene where Evan, who is kind of a type of Noah, God tells him build an ark, and and you know his wife is really angry that he's building an ark, and and because he was supposed to spend time with the family, but now he's building an ark, and this is this is really silly. And uh, so I've got a, a little bit of a clip of of his wife uh, communicating with God, who we all know sounds like Morgan Freeman. Uh, but we've got a, got a little bit of a clip, and then to kind of wrap up after that. But my husband says. God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunity to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? So much power in that little bit. And, and I want to kind of apply it to our giving. You know, because I, I said that I think we should be the most generous people that there are. How do you make a generous person? It starts with an opportunity. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't start with wealth. It starts with an opportunity. And if I could grab the, the band up, that would be fantastic. But, but you know, how, how do you create a generous person? Well, well you give them an, an opportunity to be generous. You don't necessarily give them the resources to be generous. You give them the opportunity to be generous. And, and, and that's what we have in our vision offering is we have an opportunity to be generous. And then I, I believe that as you step out in generosity, you continue to step out in generosity, that makes you 
a generous person in the same way that the way that you react in, in a situation that requires patience actually grows your patience. And so in the same way, I believe that, that to be a generous person, person, we actually just need to take the opportunity to be generous. We don't necessarily have to take the, we don't have to have all the money, we don't have to have the right family, we don't have to have the right standing, we don't have to have the right car, the right house, whatever. We just have to have an opportunity to be generous. And if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this, it's, it's that we always have the opportunity to be generous. And, uh, and so that was the first one is that, you know, it, it brings joy because it brings generosity. And then the second part is that, like I said before, there are a few things in this lifetime that we can give that will last our lifetime. But there is really only two things that we can take with us to heaven. And that's that which we've invested in, the kingdom of God and people. And, and, and you know, uh, I shared a story this morning about Alfred Nobel, who was the, the he... Uh, was the, the chemist that designed and formulated uh, dynamite. And uh, he, got a, a, he received his death notice in the mail, uh, sorry, in, in the paper saying that he died. They'd actually got it wrong and it was his brother that had died. But he had an opportunity to turn around his life and actually invest in something that was going to last longer than a lifetime. And, and the Nobel Peace Prize is a great legacy, don't get me wrong. But you know what? It's, it's one of the... It, that legacy will fade away. But you know what won't fade away? The kingdom of heaven will never end. And, and, and you know, it, it's the one thing that we can invest into that is eternal. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a story in Matthew 13, verses 44. And I won't put it up on the screen just yet. But I'll kind of paint the picture. There's a, it, it's the first century. There's a Jewish man and he's walking through a field, stubs his toe. What the heck is that? And uh, digs a little around and finds a chest. And it says that there's a treasure. Uh, the, the Bible says that there was a treasure in this chest. Now, now the, the scripture records that what the man did after that was he kind of buried it up again. And then went and sold all that he owned. Went and sold all of the fields that he owned and saved up and then bought the field where this treasure was. Dug up the treasure and the treasure was great wealth. Now, you know, everybody... Financial counselors aside and stuff like that, but you know, if if there was a financial counselor that didn't know that there was a treasure there, he probably would have said, "Look, it's a it's an unwise investment to sell all that you've got just to buy this one field." But but the man knew that there was a treasure in this field that was greater than the worth of the field itself. And the truth is that we have the treasure of an eternal God that, that, that loves and, and, and cares for this city. And, and the treasure is not, it's not physical treasure, but the treasure is people. And, and you know, and, and you can't tell me that it's an unwise investment to, to, to give into something that's going to last, not just a lifetime, but it's going to last an eternity. Because there's only two things that we can take, and that's, that's people and that's what we've sent ahead. And, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know where you're at, but I'll read the, the scripture. It says this in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. See, nobody would have told him to stop that. Nobody, had they known that the treasure was there, nobody would have gone, look, that's an unwise investment. You shouldn't sell all that you've got because the treasure was there. And, and you know, the treasure is the kingdom of God. And, and I believe that, you know, we'll, we'll receive benefits in this life and also the next when we actually invest in the kingdom of God because God is a generous God. You can read scriptures. It's all through it. 
But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. In 2001, uh, we were building this building beside us. And uh, I remember it well. We were at the Civic Center and um, I was playing trumpet. Yes, I was a nerd. Um, and uh, so um, we're at the, at the Civic Center. And, uh, and so, and I remember Pastor John said, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to take up pledges. Now, I was 13 at the time, didn't have a job. Uh, and, and I remember uh, I decided that I would give $100 uh, to, to the building of that building. And, uh, you know, and to this day, I'm invested in that building. Now, it's only $100, I know. But the truth, and, and the truth is probably in the time that I'm talking, is there's already been $100 worth of depreciation or damage that's happened. But the truth is I'm invested in that. And, and, and my goal is to see the, the, the benefits and, and everything come from that investment. Now, when we built the other part of the building on the corner, I gave a significant amount more. But the truth is I actually invested into something that is going to see the kingdom of God further and, uh, further and, and advance over time. And, and that's what we have an opportunity to do. You might think, well, it's just upgrading building. It's just, just, just putting heaters or whatever in, in, in buildings. But the truth is it's actually advancing the kingdom of God. It's giving people an opportunity to come to know, uh, to, to get to know their Savior. It's, give, it's, it's an opportunity for people to come and, and hear a message that might transform their generations to come. And, and, and they might be doing an Ancestry.com kind of thing in a hundred years and look back and see that at this point, that's when their life changed. But it happens because people uh, you know, are, are generous and they're, they're they're prepared to sell everything that they've got for the treasure that is the kingdom of God. And that's an incredible opportunity that you and I have. And like I said, we don't get, like, we don't get tips or 10% of what comes in. This is, it all goes back into, into the kingdom of God. And so, you know, I just, just as kind of we, we wrap up tonight and uh, as we kind of approach our, our vision offering, I really want to challenge you is that, you know, we've got an opportunity to be generous it, it, it's not finance that makes a generous person. It's, it's, it's taken opportunities. And, and, you know, as we kind of embark on this, take the opportunity to be generous. Take the opportunity to invest into something that's going to outlast you, probably going to outlast your kids. Take the, the opportunity to, to invest in the, and see the joy and see the generosity that flows back to you out of that. I, I, I can stand here and say that there's, countless times I would say hundreds where, where I've given and have just seen God open countless doors of opportunity and blessing that come my way and, and, and we can't get caught up in the fact that well I've given my 10% that's all that I need to do I've done my I've done my bit I've done my bit for the kingdom this is what we're going to do so I'm just going to I'm going to pray and uh, oh dang it I'll, I'll come out and I'll promo young adults after <laughs> but I'm going to pray and uh and, and then, you know, we're going to sing a song and then we're pretty much done. Lord God, I just thank you that, that you are a generous God. And, and that, Lord, we are created in your image. And, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't shy away from opportunities to be generous. But, Lord, we would, we would embrace them and we would embark on taking opportunities to be generous. Lord, we pray over your kingdom in this city, the city of Ipswich. Lord, God, we believe for great things. Lord, we believe for dreams that have been 
dormant for years for the city of Ipswich to come true. Lord, we believe for faith to rise up in a city that's going to see a, a city turned for Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for the 200,000 people, 200, people that live in this city. But Lord God, we know that you have a plan for each and every one of them. And Lord, we can be intrinsically involved in that plan through the generosity that we have the opportunity to invest in. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast.